for the Indians. One run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. From the Gateway Lounge in Sioux Falls, it's Nobody's Listening Anyway. Here are your hosts, John Gaskins and Matt Zimmer. All right, Zimmer and I have both learned before we flipped on the mic how little we've been working the last couple of weeks, which it should be when it's snowy and it's the holidays and so uh, and just so many exciting things going on. I, I tried the Impossible Whopper the other day. Woo! Breakthrough moment in my life there. And uh, Gilbert and I watched a lot of Match Game, and we've watched a lot of Seinfeld. And uh, I've been running out in zero degree to 10 degree or so weather just, just, to, just to feel the exhilarating rush of the polar cold on my skin and bones. Zim, what have you been up to? Not shit. <laughs> no polar runs for you oh man i have uh like i was just telling you off before we went on i've basically been off for three weeks and uh yeah i haven't done anything except eat drink and play video games and watch movies and that's about it see and i've enjoyed every second of it right i've been doing a lot of eating and a lot of drinking and uh my husband gilbert's brother andre was here from rapid city and he's um, put it this way, he's kind of special needs and he's really mellow and low key, but he doesn't, you know, he doesn't move. We don't do, we, we sat around and we watched a lot of TV, same thing. And, uh, Gilbert made a bunch of fucking cookies and, you know, brought home some key lime pie. And we had the big Christmas dinner and leftovers for three days of cheese and bread and, and, you know, alcohol. And see, you see, I, I wish sometimes I, I was going to I've been thinking about this for this particular podcast for like a week when I was feeling really lousy about how f fat I was getting uh, consuming all of this. And it's easier to do so in the winter. Of course, there's less motivation to be outside and exercising uh, to, to work it off. Um, how do you how do you do it without feeling guilty or shitty or, or anything like that? Have, you have some advice for me? Because I just I just start to feel bad, and then I go out and I run for an hour in 10-degree weather and like it. I got nothing for you <laughs> other than just, uh, you know, I mean, my partner Jen's kind of, you know, we're kind of doing it as a team. Like, <laughs> hey, you're, get, you're getting fat, right? Yeah, me too. All right. Well, as long as we're both doing it, then that's okay. Mm, okay. Is it going to – do you like – do you think to yourself someday I'm going to work this off? No big deal? I mean, we'll see. You know, actually, it's funny. Of all the people in our house, my dog is getting the fattest. He is <laughs> visibly growing. Like every day, he's bigger around. And I feel bad because that's totally our fault. You know, like he can't really go outside and exercise himself. I mean, we have to take him for a walk or monitor his how much we feed him to keep his weight under control. So I'm looking at him. I'm like, Jesus Christ, my dog's fat. And then I'm like, well, that's my fault. I should do something about that. And then I'm like, well, you know, it could kind of work, you know, to kill two birds with one stone. I'll take Max for a walk and I'll, you know, get some exercise and he'll get some exercise. Well, then, you know, it's January or, you know, late December. It's I'm looking out the window right now. There's a blizzard. It's not exactly the best time to be going for a walk outside. So that will probably continue to be my excuse for at least another month. Um, I do, we do have a spin bike in our house that we use on occasion. But uh, I think for the most part, Jen and I both, like every day, we're just kind of like, you want to go for a walk? No. You want to ride the bike? No. Let's just lay here and drink beer. And, you know, plus we got, 
I got, I got Jenna an air fryer for a Christmas present and she was kind of pissed. Like she kind of looked at me like, what the fuck? Like you giving me homework, you know, like you're ordering me to cook for you. Like she did not really appreciate it as a gift as a feminist. I think she was slightly offended. Wow. Um, but then she turned it on and used it. And now it's the greatest thing I ever gave her. And we've been doing nothing but running to the grocery store every two days to buy more fried food that we can throw in our air fryer while we drink a 12 pack of Budweiser on top. Of That's it. healthy. So, it's good. So yeah, we yeah. are both probably as unhealthy as we've ever been right now. <laughs> and both of us have decided that we are completely on board with it and not sorry about it. See, in the 10 all. years or so I've known you, you've been a little bit more of a yo-yo than I have with that. Like uh, maybe I have to consult you with uh, how to carry it well and uh, uh, how, to, how to not look terrible while doing, you wear a lot of black I've noticed. And I don't, some people are better at carrying their weight than others. I don't know how to, else to put that. And I don't know if I, I don't know if I want to face that. You're putting way more thought into this than Of I course am. I am. That's yeah. what I do. Um, we uh, by the way, uh, Gilbert got me. What did what did Jen get you? Oh geez, she spoiled the hell out of me. Um, she got me a new pair of cowboy boots, a very, very nice pair that I don't even want to know how much she spent on them. Uh, a new pair of uh, noise canceling headphones for my music, um, a bunch of clothes, just a bunch of, you know. I was kind of like, holy cow, books, just, yeah, she spoiled me. I'm, mm. I'm probably actually, and I, I'm going to have to make up for it on her birthday because, yeah, she she won the, the, <laughs> the competition of who got the best Christmas presents. There you go, snazzy cowboy boots. That's one way to turn people's attention away from your weight gain and just, oh, look at his boots. Wow. Right, right. Uh, yeah, I. Uh, so I, I, my, my present for Gilbert hasn't come in yet, which is awesome. Oh, nice. Yeah, I ordered it like, I don't know, December 8th or something like that, and apparently... Uh, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, I've been, I've been emailed that it has been shipped. Um, but it, and I didn't, for some reason I didn't want to email or I didn't want it shipped to our house because I, I didn't want him to see the, you know, the container that his present is in and how big his present was. And just in case he saw it before I did. So I had it shipped to the Canaries, to the ballpark, to the birdcage. And apparently it hasn't been there yet. Uh, so I'm feeling great about that. And meanwhile, uh, you know, my birthday is December 1st and then Christmas is 24 days later. And Gilbert gets me a TV for our bedroom, which is, come on, that's a dual gift. I mean, he's going to listen. Right. To this. He's going to listen to this podcast and he'll probably be mad at me for two days. But it's, it's like, it's great. Thank you. And I've been the one that's been calling for it because, you know, when we moved into this, when we moved in together in Sioux Falls, you know, he wanted, he wants to watch stuff together. So we spend time together. But of course, there's going to be nights where I'm going to watch a damn football game and, and he or um, a Husker basketball game because I'm a masochist and uh, and he's going to want to watch, uh, you know, his stupid Real Housewives or whatever bullshit. And, um, you know, we're not always, it's OK. Like, I don't remember too many nights, maybe one or two nights a week where my parents actually hung out together. My mom was always up watching or reading something upstairs. My dad was always downstairs, usually watching sports. But Gilbert won and he hung on to this for four years. You know, we're going to limit the amount. We're going to limit the number of nights where we're doing our own thing and we're going to watch and enjoy stuff together. And we have. But he finally cowered because I think he was, you know, he was probably on the losing end of it most most of the time. If it was, you know, for pining for TV time and he got tired of looking into his phone or a little iPad. So that was that was my birthday present for both of us. <clears throat> and then. Uh, and then the Christmas present was a kayak. He got me an inflatable kayak. So when I go kayaking, I don't have to uh, be at the mercy of not no kayaks at the state park 
being available uh, when I get there because it's first come, first serve because that kind of sucks. So these were really good, thoughtful gifts. Nice. Yeah. We have we have kayaks at our lake cabin that they never, ever, ever get used. <laughs> I wish I knew that before Gilbert went out and bought me an inflatable kayak. And I, I'm a little I'm a little concerned about that because I'm going to have to work to, like, get it, you know, I'm going to have to inflate it. I'm going to have to figure out how to use the pump and inflate it before I put it in and but it'll be it'll be nice to have my own and um so but yet his his make sure uh, still awaits ch- chances are you're if you have like an electrical pump or something to fill the thing up you might have to charge it like an entire day in advance that was a lesson we learned one time oh, when we tried to... God. Okay. i mean they probably make newer ones now that don't have to do that but i remember one time we were going to inflate <laughs> this big huge inflatable lake toy and we're like oh we'll have to charge the the inflator like oh that'll take five minutes no you have to charge it like 10 oh god I'm, it's, I'm not even gonna use this thing until may and i'm already exhausted so it's, it's great <laughs> it's good to know you always love presents that are actually like make you do work like thanks oh, for giving god. me work to do yeah um but uh, but i was very appreciative he's he's i shouldn't say what he's gonna get because he's probably gonna hear this he's probably gonna hear this podcast before his his present ever gets here if it ever does uh i'll just say it's not it's, it's not as great and elaborate as the two things he's gotten me in december by the way i noticed this uh your life versus mine on i believe it was either christmas eve or christmas day i took a quick glimpse at twitter which i hate doing over the holidays when i don't have much work to do uh, I'm tired of it. Uh, tired of Twitter. Um, but uh, I did see that you were uh, watching, you know, a real Christmas movie, Die Hard. And at that <laughs> very time, we were watching Elf because, again, Gilbert's brother, we're keeping it light, comedies, stuff like that. And uh, I had never seen Elf, and it was really, obviously, a really stupid movie. But it was, it made me laugh out loud about three or four times. It was it was worth a, a few gut laughs but um i i i I, and i was gonna tweet you and ask you okay you're doing die hard what about uh, a christmas story i know a christmas story was on deck after after in between those two showings you played paul mccartney's wonderful christmas time in loop for about a half hour just to get (laughs) you all excited for a christmas story right yeah yeah i uh I, I once compared a Christmas story to, I think I called it a two hour Werther's original, original commercial. Yeah. <laughs> I hate that movie. Yeah. That one. I'm not a big fan of elf either. I mean, I kind of like you, like I, we, I had to watch it again this Christmas. We uh, showed it to Arthur, okay. our four year old. He yeah. didn't like it, but it, he might not quite be he, like half hour into it. He actually turned around and looked at me and Jenny goes, this is lame. And, <laughs> wow. And I was All like, right. I was like, see, I was like, see, let's put in die hard. But, uh, <laughs> And did he watch Die? Did you watch Die Hard with him? No, Jen oh, wouldn't let him. Okay, I would have. I would have been okay with it, but you know, mm-hmm. I'm a crazy stepdad. But so, so it's the dumb, lame uh, sports guy Twitter argument every damn year. Uh, so you, so you do consider Die Hard a Christmas movie? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I the, the argument is like, well, it's not. It just takes place on Christmas. Well, then Home. What's the difference between that and Home Alone? Yeah. Home Alone is a movie about a kid who's stranded at home with two robbers trying to break into his house. That's the plot. You know, it just happens to take place at Christmas. Well, it's just Die Hard. It's literally Home Alone for adults. A guy is stuck at home, or instead of stuck at home, he's in the rafters of a office building as criminals try to. Yeah, it's the same plot. Just one's for kids, one's for adults. I've never. And they're figured, both Christmas movies. So, what's the argument against Die Hard being a Christmas movie? 
Because it's not because it, it's not warm and corny like a Christmas story. I guess story. so. Yeah, I guess. Or yeah, because it came. I remember it was a summer hit. Like it came out in the summer, but that was like yeah. thirty-two years ago. Who the hell remembers? So, right. and I remember seeing Home Alone like ten times in the theater because I was that kid's age. But uh, and I love Die Hard too. And I was a, and that was the, those two came out at the same time. I've never understood the argument against like why are people so against that being a Christmas movie? I don't. I don't. I don't get it. Because I'm with you. It, they, like, who cares when it? If the argument is it, it came out in the summer. So what? It, when it came no, out? No, th- I think the argument is that Christmas movie movies are supposed to be about, you know, some sort of positive, uplifting holiday oh, message. And, which I mean, okay, if that's the way you want to look. I mean, th- let's face it. There's people out there that don't watch R-rated movies even into their 20s and 30s because they're prudes. So I mean, <laughs> those people aren't gonna. They don't want to see Die Hard anyway, whether it's a Christmas movie or not. So. You know, let them have their thing and let the rest of us acknowledge that it's one of the all-time greatest Christmas movies. Yeah, we, we uh, I, I wanted to see Scrooged, and then I, and it, it wasn't anywhere. I like Scrooged with Bill Murray, and, you know, the modern-day uh, Christmas Carol, Ghosts of Christmas, Past, Present, Future. Uh, it's, you know, it's classic Bill Murray. He's, he's, uh, he's Bill Murray. I don't need to explain that. And um, plays a shrewd TV executive. And anyway... Uh, I always look for it because I do because that's kind of like more of a, it's kind of right in between a Die Hard and say a Christmas Story, and uh, not quite as quirky as in slapstick as uh, uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. So it's, yeah, I, I like that spot. And it, but like any like my services, the apps that I get, I didn't see it on TV anywhere, and the and I had to pay like a whole four dollars to get it, and so I didn't. And then I watched, uh, this was like six or seven in the morning on Christmas morning because somehow I woke up at that time. And, uh, but, then it, it, but then I was given the option of a very Murray Christmas, which is an hour of Bill Murray just singing cheese dick Christmas tunes with a bunch of celebrities, but making it fun. So there you go. Now you've gotten a glimpse into my fun life at home. <laughs> we, uh, we watched, I mean, I have a pretty solid collection of christmas movies and my dvd collection we watched christmas vacation we watched scrooge we watched home alone we watched uh elf i don't own that but it was on tv uh watched die hard uh i even squeezed in the first lethal weapon which isn't a christmas movie but it does at the very end they play the elvis christmas song so that's close enough The, Um, the blue christmas uh i'll be home for christmas oh okay okay yeah remember when uh Mel Gibson goes over to have dinner with Danny Glover's family at the end, and so that's enough for me. I, I can that's basically an excuse for me to watch Lethal Weapon. And convince, <laughs> yeah. like, hey, it's a Christmas movie. Shut up, you know. Yeah, I'm actually surprised you saw this many Christmas movies. Either you're a domesticated family man, or there's I haven't been doing anything for the last three weeks. Yeah, what we uh, we bought Arthur. Uh, but you don't have Charlie to watch Christmas, Christmas movies. And uh, he, you know, Charlie Brown Christmas is kind of like. Everyone thinks it's a classic, and then Jen and I were kind of noticing you watch it, and it's objectively terrible. <laughs> Everyone remembers it. It has a very cute, sweet ending where Charlie has the terrible, you know, the the Christmas tree that's falling over, and everyone makes fun of him for picking this crappy tree, and then they fix it up, and it's nice, and everyone remembers that part of it, which is a, a legitimately, you know, wholesome, good ending and yeah. message and everything. The first twenty minutes are almost intolerable, 
like we were kind of looking at each other like can we just get to the part where he fixes up the tree and they all sing the song because arthur was kind of looking at us like why are we watching this this wow. is terrible okay well so far i i think you must be uh either your either your personality is uh rubbing off on arthur or you're just you just <laughs> or, or or you have just gotten really fortunate and lucky that you already have uh, you know, a kid you're probably going to be raising who, uh, you know, already sees Alpha and Charlie Brown Christmas as kind of lame. And <laughs> and plus, you're getting it out of the way at age four. You know, if you don't ever want to watch those again, you probably won't have to because he's not going to beg to do it. So good for you. Um, I, I By the way, and I missed Bad Santa. I just. Oh, I, yeah, I, we watched that one. Oh, too. you did with Arthur. Yeah. Well, no. <laughs> there, you got a was, lot of life lessons to teach with art. That's with the one I'll have, on that to, one. I'll, have, I'll have to wait a while before he can watch that one. Yeah. Um, Even. I can't remember which came first, Elf or Bad Santa, but it seems like Will Ferrell's character is the grown-up kid from Bad Santa. Will Ferrell's character. <laughs> it's, the same, it's the same. I thought he like. I know it's kind of like this seems like a real stretch to say, but like I thought Will Ferrell did a good acting job in that he was completely the the fun in that is he's so innocent the whole time. He's like uh, Betty White's character, Rose Nyland from the Golden Girls. Like everything, the whole punchline is his naivety. And so that's where it's not just the physical humor, uh, but the, the I thought who really stole the show in Elf. And again, this was my first, I, you know, I just had never seen it. I don't know why. Uh, James Caan. Wow. What, uh, what acting chops James Caan showed in that. Really getting out of his comfort zone to play uh, a grumpy personality less uh dickhead who says very little that was uh whew, i was blown away by that performance that's one of the weirdest castings i've ever seen like who who was like hey i know who will get to be in this christmas movie with will ferrell james Caan. like that, why uh yeah, that movie sucks yeah Can we stop talking about elf yeah sure fine well <laughs> Two minutes was enough, I guess. Uh, all right. So, by the way, did you? And then, and then there was a horror movie on Christmas Day that you got to watch as well, and that was the Minnesota Vikings giving up fifty-two to the Saints. Uh, which, by the way, I think it's just the second most points in Vikings history given up. They gave up like fifty-six to the St. Louis Cardinals in nineteen sixty-three. And it was like the first time in the NFL since the 40s and the Chicago Cardinals since anybody had scored six rushing touchdowns in a game, which Alvin Kamara did. Did you make it through the whole game? Did you? I did. I did because, I mean, it was a shootout and the Vikings were kind of sort of hanging around for a little while. Um, and then it kind of was like, well, just how many points are the Saints going to score? So you kind of, I stayed tuned in for that. Um, it wasn't a surprise. I mean, given everyone who was injured on defense, if the Vikings had held the Saints to under 40 points, like if they had given up 38, I would have felt like, hey, the defense did okay. you know. And the fact that they gave up 52 wasn't surprising to me. I mean, I know as huge a number as that is, I don't know if I've ever seen the Vikings give up 50 points before. It just wasn't surprising based on all the guys they were missing. And just the fact that, you know, I know they were still technically alive for the playoffs, but I think we all kind of understood they had more or less been eliminated. It was going to be hard to picture him going down to New Orleans, really, you know, fired up and ready to come out guns blazing. So that game turned out almost exactly as I expected it to. So it didn't really, you weren't uh, as bothered. I, I enjoy what, listening sometimes on KWSN, which carries the Vikings games, but more so the, the uh, another post-game show 
on Score North, which is another radio station slash digital platform in the Twin Cities. Judd Zolgad, who's a veteran Vikings writer, is part of it. And anyway, it's a, it's a post game call in show, and I, I just enjoy I just enjoy the flying off the handle. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been doing this for years because I, I I used to host Husker post game shows, and just, you know it's when fans are at their most irrational breaking points. And so that, I used to that listen was, to PA and Dubay once in a while back in the day when they would take the calls. Yeah, it's that, kind of a masochism thing, but yeah. But yeah. So you weren't, but you weren't like some of these fans were like, you know, there were these guys coming on and some, some they're kind of putting on a show too. This was a right. visual platform where they were zooming in so you could see them and you could tell some of them had written scripts, but like, I've been a Vikings fan for 55 years. I'm done. I got a, right. I got a Vikings PJs for Christmas and I've been doomed ever since, you know, but, uh, but, but it was historically, as I rattled off a historic, like horrible. And we know Zimmer's defense is bad. And again, I'm not a fully entrenched Vikings fan, but I've seen this kind of horror show from the Huskers a lot the last 10 years defensively and it's just um uh you know after after a while it's kind of like okay if it's 40 it might as well be 45 or 52 like just it it was already over who cares um and so I'm gonna guess your your thoughts aren't as fire zimmer uh code defcon code red as some of these fans are after this game because you know Zimmer's the defensive guy and they Mm -hmm. you know and now they suck at defense even though we all know their best like four players are out like where are you with with Zim on all this did this change your mind about him whatever it was well well, no and that's the thing like I'm certainly not going to sit here and tell any Vikings fan that they're an idiot for wanting a coaching change at this point I think that's a perfectly defensible viewpoint to take right now that you think Zimmer it's time for him to go but why would this game be the one that convinces you of that? Uh, I would hope that if you if that's your take, that you had it already. Because watching them give up 52 points on the road to a good offensive team with a JV defense, at best a JV defense. I mean, some of those guys were pulled off the practice squad, mm-hmm. let alone you know move from backup to starter. Um, what were you expecting? Yeah. I mean, I don't care how much of a genius Mike Zimmer is or anybody else. I mean, you, it's, it's hard to win with guys who aren't ready – or supposed to be NFL starting players yet. So, um, I, you know, me and some of my buddies we, uh, that are lifelong Vikings fans, we text each other all the time during games on Sundays, and <clears throat> there's four of us, and one of them is kind of pretty much convinced that it's time for Zim to go. The rest of us are kind of like, eh, I don't know. I think all four of us are, you know, if, if Zimmer gets fired, I'm not going to be like, oh, my God, I can't believe they did this. It's a terrible decision. I'm not going to lose sleep over it. Uh, but I kind of just don't think that now is necessarily the time to do it, uh, especially just because I feel like this whole year is kind of just a weird year. I mean, the COVID thing and, and not having fans and certain players opting out, and then you throw on the injuries that the Vikings have had, which could have happened in any other year. I don't know. I mean, again, if they make the change – the, the thing about making a coaching change too, though, is who are you going to bring in? You know, I hope you have someone – don't do that thing where you fire a guy who's been pretty successful, who you seem to think is a pretty good coach, who if you fire him, other teams are going to be lining up to hire him, and I think that would happen if Mike Zimmer got fired, uh, if you don't have somebody in mind to replace him. Um, because, you know, we've seen so many teams that have, you know, made one bad hire, and then the next thing you know, they make three or four bad hires in a row – whether it's, you know, the Detroit Lions, the New York Giants, some of these other teams, the Jets, I mean, they just can't get out of that rut because they can't get the right coach in there. And a lot of those franchises uh, had good coaches in there that they, in hindsight, probably shouldn't have fired, you know? Where would the Lions be if they hadn't fired Jim Caldwell? 
where would you know a, a lot of these other teams you, you got to be careful about it and that's my concern with with the Vikings is Mike Zimmer is a good coach you know I think it's understood that with him and Spielman in there they're always going to be a pretty good team now is it frustrating that they haven't got to a Super Bowl they've been close once yeah of course it is um, is it possible that there's someone out there who's can who can get you know take that next step get them over the hump sure uh, Dennis Green couldn't do it you know I mean Mike Brad Childress couldn't do it Zimmer hasn't done it so far um, I don't know it's certainly nothing you know that happened in the last two weeks you know, has changed my mind. See, if Jim Caldwell would have gotten fired, the Lions would probably be in the same place the Vikings are, just kind of swimming in that 500 pool uh, on the verge of a wild card spot every year within the last two or three weeks of the season, never really having the manpower to to truly contend to make the Super Bowl. The Vikings have done it well, once under I Zimmer. Think, I don't think comparing the Vikings and Lions is, is totally I, fair. I I mean, just, the Lions are, are a more of unfranchise that's terrible all the time. Yeah, but I'm just saying Caldwell was like a 9-7 right. and seven coach in the year Which, he was. But, but yeah, I, but if you're the Lions, that's a, that's a big deal. I yeah, mean, they're on a, a lower level than the Vikings are. Okay. Um, but I, also, like, I don't I don't like this idea that I mean, would and obviously everyone has their own opinion, I guess. But do you want to be a fan of a team that goes you know five and eleven, four and twelve, four and twelve, four and twelve, five and eleven, three and thirteen, wins a Super Bowl, and then you know repeat the process all the time? I mean. Sure, you have a Super Bowl win, which the Vikings don't, which I, as a Vikings fan, don't have. Um, but even if you know if the Lions won the Super Bowl next year, that's great for Lions fans. But if then they go back to twenty straight years of being terrible, I, I wouldn't want that. I wouldn't trade that as a Vikings fan. You know, I I like the fact that the Vikings are always contenders. It makes football season more fun every year. Like my entire football fandom would probably be different you know I look forward to the NFL season at the end of every summer because I know every year the Vikings are probably going to be worth my time worth getting invested in if they were going three and 13 seven out of ten years like the Lions are like the Jets are like Tampa Bay did for all those years like New Orleans did for all those years I mean I I, I just think after an, enough of that you know, I, I'd be like, this is dumb. Why am I, why am I investing in this? Like <laughs> my, my old boss, good friend, Stu Whitney, like God bless him. But I can't believe he does that to himself. Like yeah. why does, why do you let yourself get so invested in a team that doesn't even come close? You know, every year, every Sunday, he's living and dying with this team. That's a joke. Like they're not even close to contending. <laughs> that to me is just a waste of your life. Like what? I, I just, I don't understand it. Well, understandable and I can relate to you as a Vikings fan as a Chiefs fan I've said it a million times that until last year when the Chiefs finally won a Super Bowl and let's just cut out the Super Bowl 4 in 1969 which we weren't alive for um you know that's ancient history it's 50 years ago we didn't even have a merger by then for Christ's sakes uh Chiefs and Vikings have been the same they've been anywhere between 7 and 9 yeah. and 10 and 6 like every year Chiefs had some years under Marty Zim or Marty Schottenheimer which are very much like Mike Zimmer. Good defensive-minded coach, run the ball, too conservative, uh, never had the quarterback to really light it up and win you three playoff games in a row, but always pretty good. But eventually it was time for him to go. And then uh, the one time in my life where I've experienced the doldrums, the uh, abyss, was uh, around the time where they had Todd Haley and Romeo Cornell and no quarterbacks, Brody Croyle, whatever, and they were just dog meat for about two or three years. And they finally went out and they just happened to get Andy Reid, who needed a he needed a kind of um, a, re, a reboot on his career and a change of scenery. 
and uh, it took what eh, six years, but six years of really good football, and you got it. But that's the thing: is the Chiefs got Andy Reid, who was already one of the best coaches in the NFL. In most years, I would say Mike Zimmer's got to go because I don't think the Vikings are going to win or even make it, and I don't think they have a great shot of contending for the Super Bowl the next two or three years. Not that this this is the NFL, which stands for not for long. Things can change rapidly, so I'm not going to sh- totally shut it out. Um, but I, I, at this point, Zimmer every year, you know, seven and nine, eleven and five. Eight and eight, thirteen and three, one time. Eight, seven and one, ten and six, seven and nine. They're going to finish seven and nine. They'll probably beat the Lions. Uh, you know, it's just a lot of blah with one great year and uh, getting blown out, and him had, having his lunch handed to him in that one NFC title game that he got to play. And it's just, it's kind of like we were talking about this earlier in the season with Ron Gardenhire, and I get it, the Twins had like four terrible years before they finally fired Gardy. But it's the same thing. Thank you for your years of service. This is not necessarily firing Zimmer. Wouldn't be necessarily an indictment like you were a bad coach. You're fired, you piece of shit. It's just kind of, hey, it was seven years. It didn't work out. It's just not going to work out the way, the way Zimmer does it is good enough to get you about eight wins a year. Nine, sometimes 10. One time, 13. Uh, you know, lightning in a bottle. But um, it, it, but he had to have the best defense in the NFL that year to have it. If he doesn't have the best or a top three or four defense, his model of how he wants to win games offensively, I think has been bared out this year when they've needed the offense to just, again, work enough to get you in contention. It's never going to get you over the hump. And uh, But... Having said all that, so I would fire him. Because, but you are right. This year there aren't a lot of great candidates out there. I was hearing a discussion with Peter Schrager from Fox, who's you know one of those insiders, and this is the time of year where we're going to start talking about coaching changes in the NFL. And this past year, you know, there were some good hires. One of them was Stefanski in Cleveland. I mean, that right. talk about a joke for like it was just a revolving door of coaches forever. And uh, and in one year he's got everything everything all the uh, t's dotted i's i's dotted t's crossed and my god they're probably a playoff team um and you know, they've got 10 wins like it just took that guy to go in there with a lot of the same people who have been there for three or four years and the same quarterback and boom he could have been the vikings guy but of course zimmer had to go out and have one of the best days of his coaching life and beat the saints if they don't beat the saints many felt that zimmer was ready to go to dallas who had an opening where he kind of really cut his teeth with Bill Parcells and Jerry Jones likes him and uh, and that he was going to be the Cowboys next coach. And then the Vikings beat the Saints. You know, he does a mastermind job on Drew Brees and the uh, Kirk Cousins. Oh, Kirk is clutch now. So, OK, we got to keep we got to keep the whole band together now. Uh, it'd be interesting if Stefanski, who was one of the hot guys to be a head coach next, um, if the Vikings, if Zimmer would have left for Dallas, if they would have lost that first round playoff game, and we'd all be kind of like, okay, again, thank you for your time. That's a nice clean break. Uh, let's see, now let's get the offensive guy in here now and and pull him away from other teams and see what he can do. But that didn't happen. But like uh, this year, who do you got? You got uh, the, de- the the defensive coordinator from the Niners is what Peter. He, this is basically what Schrager said. Like he's the only guy that's really like. He is Robert def- Saleh. That's who you're talking about. Yes. Right? Yes. There yeah. you go. We're thinking of, like that's the only one. And do you, if you're the Vikings, would you want another defensive guy there? Because the problem is if you want your offense to improve, if you eventually after Kirk Cousins want to go get a young mobile quarterback who can escape pressure and make plays because you're just 
the Vikings are never going to have the offensive line <laughs> to, to give you everything you need. Uh, then you need you need to hire, of course, an offensive uh, an offensive mastermind and quarterback whisperer. And I don't know who that is right now. You know, it used to be Sean McVay and apparently Matt Lafleur and Kevin Stefanski. But uh, you don't have that this year. But that's who you would want an offensive head coach for your next guy. I would think if you're the Vikings and get rid of this Stone Age Zimmer. I don't buy the I, this idea that you alternate back and forth, offense coach, defense coach, offense coach, defense coach, offense. You know, I mean. I, you got to give Kevin Stefanski credit for what he's done in Cleveland. I mean, he's won 10 games at a place where no one's supposed to ever be able to win, but I still, he doesn't really do a lot for me. I, I wouldn't have wanted him to be the guy to take over if they'd have fired Zimmer last year. And he's going to have to prove it to me beyond this year before I'm convinced that he's some kind of great coach. Um, Fair. And I, and, I, I wasn't know, excited about him either, but it, 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 he's done a, he's done some good work in one year, but that's true. It's only one year. And, you know, I mean, it, it, you know this if they were to hire this Robert Soleil I don't know maybe he's the next great 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 coach um what if he turns out to be the next Bill Belichick you know that kind of thing we say well the reason we didn't hire him is because we already had it I, I just you know if you think it's time to make a change make a change and then once you've done that once you've fired Mike Zimmer don't limit yourself to oh well we have to go get an offensive coach because we just had a defense coach go get the next guy that you think is going to be able to win the guy that's going to bring whatever the missing piece was. And it's easy to say in the Vikings case that the missing piece comes offensively, but that could just as well be because he doesn't have the right offensive coordinator. And whoever you bring in as your next head coach, whether it's Robert Saleh or Eric Bieniemy or Urban Meyer, whoever it is, you know, it, making the Vikings offense better is going to be about bringing in personnel and, and, you know, coordinators, coaches and scheme rather than just who the head coach is necessarily. So, if, you know, I'm, I'm more concerned, just do the Vikings have a guy in mind, any guy in mind, if they're going to make a change rather than yeah. are they going to go get the guy who's going to fix their offense or whatever? Well, first of all, I don't think it's going to happen because this was no, a pandemic. This was a pandemic year. They lo- I, All these teams lost their ass a little bit without being able to uh, have people in the stands. I don't know how that works, by the way. If uh, like the, the season ticket holders, do they get their money back? I don't know. I'm just guessing uh, you have a lot less revenue coming in this season than most like a lot less than most years and plus uh this w- next year is when zimmer's contract extension that he signed after the end of last year starts so he's got three years left and like if they went four and 12 and they were just awful and zimmer flew off the handle like a, 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 an nfl bo polini where you're just so embarrassed by a guy's conduct uh that he's gotta go okay but that didn't happen you know they and he's got a great excuse for having like his four best defensive players out and there you go uh so i get it why they're probably not going to fire him and i don't think that's necessarily the wrong answer i just think if you want to win a super bowl it, you're not gonna you're probably not gonna do it with mike zimmer and yes you're probably having to guess on who the next guy is the reason why i'd want an offensive guy is just usually you have to hire the best offensive minds as head coaches um you you just usually do there's always guys working their way up to become offensive coordinators that and you get them before they become a head coach uh, like apparently Stefanski but um but i the, the 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 thing that i have a problem with Zimmer this year why i think this was more of an underachieving disappointment than it's just a write off year pandemic and uh, he lost his he lost Daniel Hunter and Anthony Barr and eventually Eric Kendricks and probably somebody else was the way he handles offense 
And again, uh, we didn't we didn't have a show after the loss to the Bears, but that's a much more that's just a much more concerning loss than the Bears loss was. And you and I did this song and dance probably the last time we talked, but it happens over and over and over again. I get you got Dalvin Cook. I get you hired Kubiak. It, I think the ghost of Christmas past for Mike Zimmer is John D. Filippo. Zimmer couldn't stand that guy because DiFilippo wanted to show off his passing schemes that he learned from the Eagles that Super Bowl year, and uh, he just he just didn't want to establish the run. He wanted to throw the ball all over the place with Kirk Cousins, and that got him in a lot of trouble, and he was rightfully fired. And so Zim goes to Kubiak, an offensive wizard with running with the established running and play action game and the offensive zone offensive the zone run scheme. So you bring in a, a guy who and his coach, his Rick Dennison line coach. So this was all a big setup for uh, this is this is the guy that does the running offense the best in the NFL with the run blocking schemes. The problem is the lineman can't pass protect, and t- like I've like I've pointed out, and I think they've lost some games because some close games to bad teams because of this. You're running on 60% of your first quarter snaps when the NFL league average is 45. You have Thielen and Jefferson. You have three pass-catching tight ends. Uh, you have a quarterback who's one of the most accurate in the NFL. Pretty damn good. Get, I'm not saying throw on every down, but did you see what happened that first drive in New Orleans? Where I mean, they threw almost every other down, and they're finding Jefferson, and they're finding Thielen, and they're getting first downs. Then that opens it up for Dalvin Cook. Why don't you... And there were a couple games, the last few games, where they had some one-on-one matchups. They were playing teams that had man-on-man coverage. You've got Thielen and Jefferson one-on-one, but nope, it's plug and chug. My formula is run the goddamn ball over and over again. You fall 17 behind in Tampa. Had to do with Dan Bailey, I get it. But how about just opening it up a little bit early, and then you can get ahead late in games, and then you can hand it off to Dalvin Cook, and then you're making use of pounding the rock, wearing down the defense, dominating time of possession um, where you know you're merciless and you've got them knocked out but instead they they run the ball a lot possess the ball a lot a, they get a lot of work in on offense for very little output and uh, and then they end up having to try finally start to throw the ball late and sometimes it, it, it works and sometimes it doesn't because they're not accustomed to it you know what I'm saying I think it's Zimmer's offensive philosophies that worked well in 1985 or 95 that are that are killing that I that I think cost the Vikings potentially a playoff spot in 2020. Well, I, I don't necessarily disagree that you know the Vikings offense sometimes is too vanilla or too predictable, um, but I would say a couple things about that. One part of that is because let's face it, Mike Zimmer doesn't believe in Kirk Cousins, um, and I, and I don't know that I necessarily blame him. I mean, Cousins has put up consistently good statistics. Uh, but he has also consistently shown a need to be coddled and surrounded with the perfect set of circumstances, and he needs that great running game. And um, there's been very few times in his three years as the Vikings quarterback where they've just said, okay, we're going to put it in your hands, and we want you to be the gunslinger and put 35 points up on the board and win games for us. He has not proven he can do that. Um, the reason Mike Zimmer doesn't want to come out throwing right off the bat and try to build a lead that way is because there's no evidence that they can. Uh, they're more successful at building – leads with the running game by setting up Kirk Cousins with Dalvin Cook rather than the other way around. And the other thing I would say, you keep saying that, well, this is what the rest of the league does and they, they're, you know, they're outdated and this was 1980s offense and everyone in the league that the average is this. I've never believed that it's a good idea to be a 
to copycat. I know the league is a copycat league, but when people say that, they're not saying it like it's a good thing necessarily. I mean, if there's anything that uh, the Moneyball thing has taught us, obviously that's a baseball thing, but it extends to all sports and even out beyond sports is the whole idea is zig when everyone else is zagging. Find out, you know, because it isn't just football that's a copycat league. Literally everything is copycat. One guy's successful, everyone else is like, what's he doing? Let's do what they're doing. The Moneyball principle that has become analytics that has revolutionized all sports has been like what's something that no one knows about everyone knows this thing and everyone's doing that one thing what's something that nobody's doing back in the late late 90s early 2000s in baseball it was you know no longer valuing things like batting average and era and rbis and realizing that hey no one's paying attention to on base percentage no one's paying attention to all these other things that made it pretty easy to find holes in what teams were doing it's not as easy to find those things anymore because now across all sports and even, you know, the business world, all these things, people are, are recognizing, you know, the need to think outside the box. But saying that the Vikings should just do what everyone else is doing, I don't I don't agree with that. I, I've liked the idea that, that Mike Zimmer has come in and said, yeah, this is a passing league. That's not what we're going to do. We're going to do something different. And I think he's at times really been on to something. And the idea was that Kirk Cousins was going to come in and be that final missing piece to where, okay, we have this dominant running game, this, um, you know, to, to use your words, you know, 1980s offense, this more traditional conservative thing. Mm. But we can, but if you think that you can just, you know, game plan up for that, we're going to kill you because now we've got this high powered top 10 quarterback that we can pair with this running game. Well, Cousins hasn't done that. Uh, and I'm not saying that's all Cousins' fault. You know, I, I, we've gone back and forth hours on end about, how much Kirk Cousins is at fault, how good he is or how bad he is, whatever. Um, it just hasn't worked. It just hasn't all yeah. come together the way they wanted it to. Um, but I don't think it's as simple as saying, well, you know, get rid of this three yards in a cloud of dust offense and, and start throwing the ball 600 times a season. I, I don't think it's that simple. And I wasn't saying that. I wasn't quite saying that and be Andy Reid and, uh, you know, and the, and the Chiefs. Like what you're saying the Niners started zagging last year to almost won a Super Bowl for it. It was they, I, I, the Vikings last year were the Niners' light. The Niners just had better tools and maybe a better offensive coach to do it, uh, and the offensive head coach in Kyle Shanahan. But it's same thing. Like they were doing a lot of zone running schemes, a lot of run play action, and you're not going to rely on Jimmy Garoppolo heavily except for you know the money downs, and your running game will set you you up for that. And they just did it better, a lot better than the Vikings did, as they showed in the in the playoff game. And then this year we're back to you know you know get just the Chiefs are just clowning around basically and uh, they 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 play a, a game in an offense that we're not familiar with that nobody should try because you don't have the tools to do that. Uh, I'm just saying you know situationally like second and one, second and two every now and then and there's there are statistics on this and the Vikings like far more than anybody else will just pound the rock on second and one. It drives well, me more nuts when they run it on second and ten. I hate it when they do that. Okay. But anyway. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but like second. Let's a set f- up a third and seven. I mean, it's a miracle <laughs> yeah. that that Kirk Cousins has been so good on third down this year. But the number of times the Vikings have had third and eight, third and seven because they ran a trap with Delvin Cook on second and ten drives me nuts. Anyway. That, no. See, but you're making my point. Is it's situationally what they call in certain situations that is the 1980s thinking. I'm not asking you to bombard people down the field. It's just. 
be a little less predictable with what you're doing in situations. Second and one, that's a free play. Find a way to get the you find a way to utilize Jefferson and Thielen down the field, and uh, you know you don't have to hand it off to Dalvin. Just you can do that on third and one if the, if that play doesn't work. Now you're you'd counter with well, you can't trust Cousins in those situations. He might throw a pick and then you killed the drive. Okay, maybe, but they 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 killed a lot of drives this year. Um, with just being, I, I think, way too ramming their their head against the wall, and you know the answer's probably somewhere in the middle. And and by the way, so Zimmer's going to come back, uh, it, pr- likely, and you know I think that'll probably work to the tune of eight, nine, or ten wins next year and a playoff berth and maybe a playoff win and then uh, it, 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 utter disappointment eventually. Uh, Cousins probably comes back. Um, it's hard to see a scenario where he doesn't. Yeah. Uh, I, I've heard a couple of reckless speculative kind of fun things thrown out there in talk radio. Like, you know, maybe, you know, Belichick has had it with Cam Newton. So he wants a slightly more accurate statuesque quarterback to uh, make basic throws. Uh, <laughs> so there could be a trade there. The thing is, he's just obviously he's too expensive to trade. Who's going to want him? and uh, what it would cost to have him. Probably nobody. Um, although, man, and then again, we could we could circle this back if you want to, Zim, to, okay, he might be the qu- quarterback next year. He's not the quarterback of the future. And I, I know what you're going to say, but, okay, do the Vikings then take whatever it will be, a top 10 or top 12 draft pick, depending on how this game against the Lions goes, and use it on a, a young and mobile quarterback who can uh, – it, it depends on how deep you want to go into the analysis of him as a college player translated to the pros, but you're probably looking at probably Trey Lance or Zach Wilson, uh, unless there are any big surprises of quarterbacks taken ahead of those, uh, which are probably going to be uh, the dude from Clemson. Can't believe I can't remember his name right now. Trevor Lawrence and uh, Justin Fields. I don't know about these guys' pocket presence and if they can make it in the NFL, uh, but if but escapability. Uh, the the ability to not stand there and get sacked like Cousins does. Um, do, do, you, do you want the Vikings to pull a trigger on a new young quarterback? I think they should draft one. I don't think it necessarily has to be in the first round. I mean, we've talked about this before. Obviously not just – you obviously don't need the number one pick to get, you know, a franchise quarterback. Few have actually gone there. But, you know, just to throw one example out there, I mean, Dak Prescott went in the fourth round. He's pretty good. I'd love to have him right now. You know, I mean, Russell Wilson went in the third round, Tom Brady in the sixth. I mean, there's all these examples, but just draft a quarterback. You know, have some – why has Sean Mannion been taking up space on this roster for the last two mm. years? You know, I mean, for one, it's handcuffed them in that they really don't have a capable backup. To, you know, there's never – they've never really been able to bench Kirk Cousins because you knew Sean Mannion wasn't going to be any better. And you also didn't have a young guy that's like, well, let's at least give this young guy some reps. It was just a waste of a roster space. You know, if they had taken some quarterback in the fourth or fifth or sixth round in either of the last two drafts, you know, they could have been grooming that guy, and maybe he becomes that that next diamond in the rough quarterback that gets drafted late in the draft. And I'm not saying he becomes a Hall of Famer or even takes it to the Super Bowl or anything, but becomes a capable option, someone that you can trade, that you can install as your starter, all those things. You know, the Vikings really haven't. I mean, obviously Teddy Bridgewater, that's that's not their fault in any way. That was just a tough break, but. You know, that's the only example in the last few years where, you know, they've tried to do anything at that position other than, you know, free agency or pulling guys off the scrap heap to be the backups. I, I So, yes, I hope they draft a quarterback regardless of what round it is. We'll see. Uh, by the way, just, just for 
just for fun, it's not a very fun stat, and maybe you don't believe in this at all. I just went back the, for the last 20 years uh, to to see, okay, uh, how long does it take for a head coach where he's at in the NFL with the team he's on to win the Super Bowl? Each of the la- each, each Super Bowl champion of the last 20 years, and obviously there is Belichick multiple times and Tom Coughlin a couple times, but in every case but two. Uh, head coaches, what year they were with the team, and of course you and, and take Belichick and Coughlin out of it, the multiple titles. The first title or only title all these guys won was by their fifth year. By their fifth year, they're winning Super Bowls with these teams, uh-huh. with the exception of Bill Cower was in his like 13th season with the Steelers in 05, and Andy Reid was in his seventh year with the Chiefs, and everybody kind of felt like they were building toward a Super Bowl, and then they finally got Mahomes. And they were really, they had 11 or more wins in five of those seven years. So it wasn't, you know, so, my, so that's, the, the, Zimmer's now got seven years and he, re, to me, he hasn't really sifted the Super Bowl because they were blown out so badly in that one NFC title game. Um, so is there something to be said about that? Like it, it's like McCarthy was in his fifth year with the Packers, Harbaugh's fifth year with the Ravens, Pete Carroll, fourth year with the Seahawks, um, Tony Dungy, fifth year with the Colts, stuff like that. Gruden year one with the Bucks on and on it goes. If you, it, it sh- if you haven't won it by year five, you're probably not going to win it. And, and you're saying you don't really, and what you're saying and what you've consistently said is you're not as hell-bent on a Super Bowl title as most fans are. You want to be relevant, and you're, you're fine with Zimmer sticking around for another two or three years. Well, I don't know if I'd word it that way. I'm just saying okay. I don't want, I, I don't like the idea of constantly going through these four-year losing cycles to take one run and then starting all over again. I, you know, mm. I aspire, I would want my team to aspire to be the New England Patriots, you know, where you... There is no such thing as rebuilding. You are in the hunt for a Super Bowl every year, and you know your bad, quote unquote, bad years when you go eleven and five and lose in the first round of the playoffs. Mm. Yeah. Uh, all right. I want to give a, a couple minutes, if you want to, to uh, any any local sports items that uh, you've covered over the last couple of weeks that uh, are, of, are of big notes to you. Anything around the bend you're excited about besides just the start of Summit League play, Northern Sun Conference play. Um, anything anything we haven't covered that you've covered locally? Or well, you... I kind of want to get running here, but I will say... Um, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> obviously looking forward to basketball starting up, um, not just the Summit League, but, you know, we've had Summit League basketball, the non-conference, they played games. But, you know, Division Two, the NSIC, Augie and USF, and all those schools, they haven't played at all. They're just hitting the ground running, starting conference play on Saturday. That's going to be really interesting. Who knows how that's going to go. Um, and then football season. You know, they're having spring football, supposedly. And uh, practice is supposed to start in January and then games in February. I have no idea if it's going to happen, if it happens, if they're going to finish it, if they have it, how many, you know, are they going to allow people to go to the games? Like, I I just have no idea what potentially is coming. But as of right now, that's the plan for, you know, the Missouri Valley to be playing football games this spring. The NSIC, it's a little murkier. It kind of sounds like the conference is just saying, if you guys want to schedule games, go ahead. Who knows how many teams are going to want to do that or not. That's going to be fascinating to see what happens. And I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what happens in the next couple of months because also, in theory, we're all going to finally be out of this bullshit and get vaccinated, and this whole pandemic will hopefully be over by April or May. So these last few months of, of this weird stasis that we've been in for about a year – it's going to be wild to kind of see how it, how how the sports world 
kind of goes out in a pandemic. Yeah, things to look forward to. We'll just put that on our plate for 2021 on on Nobody's Listening Anyway. And uh, by the way, what are you, are you? Did you say this is one of your two work days of the last 17 days of the of the year 2020? Yeah. Oh, okay, you got to get to work. I got to get to work as well. I got to find my way uh, eventually over to Brandon. If the wow. game is still on, to call a uh, a top five high school girls basketball game, but I I I'm leaving at like two. It's one o'clock as we tape. I, I it might take me that long to shovel and get my my Honda I Fit have going. I to go blow out the driveway because Jen's coming home from work, and I do not want her p- driving over the snow, packing down the driveway, and then you know how that goes. Then it's you're screwed. You have to blow out the driveway before you drive over it, or you're fucked until the next <laughs> melt. What do you, you think my odds are that the Honda Fit makes it to Brandon? Dude, I keep telling you, man up and buy a four-wheel drive. You live in South Dakota. <laughs> it's only like 10 days of the year where it's really this bad. The other 355, it drives just fine. I'm fine. It gets a little windy, and I'm a little afraid sometimes on the windy days the car gets knocked over when I'm on the highway. But other than that, <laughs> it's fine. It's a nice little zippy car, good gas mileage. You got a new truck, by the way. Congratulations. It gets about seven miles a gallon. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> it's yeah, great for those two two hour round trips to Brookings. Yeah, yeah. But what do you care? You don't have to pay for that gas. Uh, exactly. All right, Zim. Have a good day. We'll talk to you in the new year. All right, thanks, Jen. Matt Zimmer. And by the way, a reminder, hopefully this pandemic gets all cleared up. We're all, we all get vaccinated. And look, a lot of restaurants are open. The Gateway Lounge is open. But they, like so many restaurants, have lost some a lot of business. You know, For a while, they were closed and had to lay off some of their staff whose lives depended on their paycheck there and their tips. And uh, the business has gone down. And that's understandably so because people want to be careful and get, get all, all these COVID numbers down so we can feel safe to go out and do a lot of things. But uh, the Gateway Lounge is open, and it is, for those of you who don't want to go eat, eat at restaurants yet, it's open for takeouts. I've, I keep trying as much as I can from there when we've been doing these shows, when I go there, when I feel good about going there to watch the best place in Sioux Falls to go watch an NFL Sunday uh, with all the games on all the TVs all at once. Their pizza, their wings, their taco salad. Zimmer loves the beef chislick. Um, you get the point. You've heard the tune again. It's just the perfect combination of awesome food. It's a friendly neighborhood bar. Jackson, it helps that he's a Chiefs fan. So, of course, how can I not love having a manager like that? Uh, whether you feel good enough about going in there or not, it is. it has takeout and it is an awesome place to eat and get your food and, you know, spend some local dollars on some local businesses because they have all been having a tough time and better days hopefully are ahead for them and the Gateway in 2021 as well. Hopefully to the point where Zimmer and I were actually sitting there and eating there together. Oh, that would be great. And doing this show with a couple drinks in us uh, the way it was intended and meant to be. Uh, but it's better to do it than to not do it at all. We've had a lot of fun. We hope you have too. And we'll talk to you in the new year on Nobody's Listening Anyway. Why are you laughing? That was a terrible outro. Fuck you. <laughs> you guys need a round of drinks? Yes. Yeah.